What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 70 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Hey, I missed you guys last week. Um, I'm Not really doing up- so good about the whole ever-present thing, are you? Oh. Hey, hey. <laughs> Pretty sure I've been on more shows this summer than you have, first off. Oh, I like where this is going. And second... In those times when you were gone, I never once started the show forgetting a pal that was supposed to be on it. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> Listen, I would never forget you, Shawnee. Appreciate you. You know, whatever shit happens. That guy that I did forget over there, the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. Although, I don't know that I see you as the leader of this ship now. Um, things have changed. I mean, Andy made some good points. And uh, fine, fine. Why don't we let Andy host the show from now on? Listen, you can put it together, do all the work. I'll just show up and have fun. Go ahead, Andy, take over. I never said I wanted to stage a coup here, just that I was better than you. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So, so, so nobody wants to step up. Okay, so step back in line. So, now, uh, let me introduce the last guy, the edgelord with the heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. I'll just, just refer to me as the last guy. I'll take that. The last guy. Robert Thompson, the other one. <laughs> this this podcast is essentially uh, what the other guys, the film, would be if it was a video game podcast. So, there you go. Uh, but we're here, we're back to talk about video games, and uh, we're going to kick the show off the way we sometimes do, by talking about what we're playing this week. Uh, I, uh, I played a little game that I, I, I kind of wanted to vent to you guys about. Uh, so I got my first review code over at Loot Pots, and I played this, this platformer called Shio. Um, and I have never wanted to enjoy a game more than this. Oh, that's the worst feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Like this game, it had it had so many like unique ideas that just never come together, and there are a few like glaring faults about it that drove me fucking crazy. Oh no! So like it's a uh, it's a platformer, like I said, and its main mechanic is like chain jumping. So like there's this lantern mechanic where you like bounce from lantern to lantern and kind of like dodge obstacles like Meat Boy style. Um, instead of, like, bouncing off walls, though. Uh, but the interesting thing is that, like, it's almost all, like, vertical. So most of the game is moving upward instead of going from, like, left to right, like a traditional platformer. Which is, like, a really cool idea, but your, your camera is locked on your character who's always at the center of the screen. So you can never see what's coming unless it's immediately in front of you. Oh. And it, it just, like... That's that's not great. And, like, you get to the end, and, like, it becomes this, like, trial and error, like, game of memorization of just, like, let me do the first half of this that I figured out 50 times so I can figure out what the second half looks like. Oof. That is rough. I, like, it sounded cool right up until you got there. Yep. And, like, their solution for it is to, like, put a, like, um... At every checkpoint, you can look at a map that shows you the layout of the level in, like, a bad, like, blueprint sketch <laughs> that, like, doesn't have any... It's, like, a static image, so it doesn't show anything moving, so it doesn't actually, like, help you very much. I'm just like, ugh. 
Like, I want to like this game so bad, and it just it just keeps doing... And it has, like, a long, weird, esoteric story that's poorly translated from the original Chinese version, so it's, like, constantly intruding to tell me a story I can't understand. I was just like, Shio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm really sorry for you. It sounds like you had a great time, but then also hated it. <laughs> yeah, it was really, like... I remember when I first was playing, I was like, this is, like, a solid, like, you know... 7.5 out of 10. Then I got to the end and I'm just like, 6. Like, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, so I also wanted to ask, Sean, did you have any updates for us uh, about the uh, the new update to WoW since you're, what, I guess two weeks in now? Uh, so, yeah, we're, I think we're three weeks in now. Um, it, it might be two, honestly. Who knows? It's been, uh, it's been a fun time living in the foxhole. Um, pretty much just hunkered down. Uh, I think the last update I was trying to level or I had just gotten to 120 or something. Uh, so now I'm 120, everybody's 120, and the goal is to get as much gear as humanly possible before raids launch, which is actually this Tuesday. Uh, so norm- oh, damn. Yeah, normal and heroic launch this Tuesday, followed by mythic the week after. So for us, the real goal is to go into Heroic, smash it real quick, get as much loot as we can, do normal. Uh, so so basically, you do Heroic first, and then you go to normal, and everyone can trade gear that they don't need. So like normal gives you a lower quality loot. So everyone who got a Heroic piece already that then gets something from normal can give their normal piece to the poor unfortunate soul who has gotten nothing so far. Uh, and that way you have all the gear you can before you go into Mythic and you have a better shot at killing bosses just a little easier. So okay. that's what we've been doing now. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, stressful, because there's a lot of uh, anxiety about people spot in the raid and... You know, will the fact that some people have gotten less gear than others in this time period affect their their status? And of course, as the guild leader, I have to deal with everybody's problems. So politics, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's been uh, not so fun. But everything else has been a good time. Lots to do. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Which uh, Pete would know a little bit about, except that he shirks his responsibilities. <laughs> Off to Andy. Sean, I got a question. Yeah. Would you ever go into a raid and just leave somebody behind? You know what? I can tell you I've been doing this for a long time. That has never happened. Really? <laughs> yeah. Never. Have Not you been once. doing it for over 70 episodes almost? <laughs> I've, been it hasn't doing it, I've been doing it for uh, five years. So yeah, oh, see? quite a few more than 70 episodes. And it's never happened. Funny how that well, works, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, uh, unlike uh, a tyrannical king, I'm I'm more of like a pirate captain. You know, oh. I wear the 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 three pointed hat, and you know, um, sometimes you got to cut weight, man. That's what happens. 
Cutway. That's interesting. Also, real quick, Sean, you say you'd never leave anyone behind. <laughs> Was it not three episodes, two episodes ago on our sister show, The Comics Pals, where you and I laughed about how we had fired everybody else on the show and just left them to die? It was a joke. It didn't really happen. <laughs> you really actually forgot about me being on the show. And also... That is not what happened. I did not forget about you. We had a we had a miscommunication. No, you had that a was my fault. It was my fault. I'll take it. I was I, I messed up. I misunderstood you. So I thought you needed to take the day off. Speaking no, I'd never do that. So speaking of uh, World of Warcraft, within it, Jaina's mother speaks of pirates and says that pirates are the scum of the sea. So if yes. you are a pirate captain, that would make you the scummiest of scum of the sea. Yeah, I mean that's fair, but I mean you guys are are the crew on this ship, so I never I you? never agreed to this metaphor at all. I think it's yeah, you got Shanghai, dude. You didn't have to agree to it. <laughs> that's how you become a pirate. Actually, sometimes. I made it off the boat because you uh, forgot me. <laughs> I just came back on because you know I'm a loyal person. You couldn't you couldn't resist the high seas. I know. It's <laughs> terrible. I, so I, if I feel you guys pain. want to let us. What what Thompson? I feel pain listening to these conversations. <laughs> it's if you're talking about fucking pirates and shit, and Sean is clearly right. I mean, come on, pirates suck, and also like you know, scum of the sea. All right, Thompson, listen, you are you are the one that didn't get left behind, so that makes you my first mate. You gotta like back me up here. I mean, or at least be quiet. I get to have some say because <laughs> of the first mate. <laughs> Speaking of say, you were going to move on, but I actually wanted to bring up, I have started playing Hunt Showdown, and that shit's oh, fucking okay. crazy fun, if not really hard, and really unforgiving. Uh, so, it's, it's a, a game about having two people go in on five teams of two, and there's a boss monster or two in the middle of the game, with just a bunch of mobs, kind of like Left 4 Dead style, but not nearly as populated. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the Louisiana Bayou area. And the objective is to kill the monster and get out. Sounds super easy. It's not. Your characters all have permadeath, and everyone you unlock is probably going to die. So getting even one level on a character is almost impossible. Uh, so is it like a is it like a roguelike? Uh, well, the map is the same, but the monster spawns are like relatively scattered, and like the clues to find the monsters are scattered throughout the level each time. Player spawns are scattered. So, like, I've had rounds where I start up, and in 30 seconds, there's a guy right there, and we just fucking get into a gunfight. And uh, it's set in, like, late 1800s, so it's, the guns it's are, also like, like, you know, it's just also bolt like action and just crap, you know? Right? <laughs> like a six-shooter. Yeah, it's five teams of two, and they added a solo mode this week, so don't expect that to stick around. It's, like, a week-long event, but it's really fun, but really hard really fucking hard and i mean this is coming from like i won the first few games and then we hit like like rank 12 out of 100 and you start getting matchmakes with people who are like higher level and it's, it's just fucking awful but i've died so much <laughs> so like what does the game look like is it like um... it's from the crytek engine for the people who made crisis actually so, so it's it, like first person yeah yeah it's a first person okay. it looks just like crisis pretty much but set cool. in 1800s louisiana so oh. it looks beautiful um and it's like super like they keep saying early access all over it, but it's like it's, it's pretty it's pretty got a lot of the content there, you know. It's, it's doing good. Nice man, that's really cool. Maybe but I'll have to check that out with you. I highly recommend playing it with me, possibly because you know I don't always want to match a randos when I only have one other friend that plays the game already. So, <laughs> so just let me let me just clarify here. You said it's in the eighteen hundreds, eighteen like eighties or something, or maybe even nineties. 
Yeah. So are there there are no vehicles, right? No, like, no, no. I know there's no cars, but like you can't like ride a horse or a carriage or no. anything. All the horses I are, are half either. dead on the the game, and they act as like sound things. So like stealth is a huge mechanic. So there's like birds and shit you get near, and they fly away. Horses will sit up and like neigh because they're like bleeding out to death, and it's just like imagine like a really effed up, twisted kind of like version of the bayou, like where there's like zombies and shit and just like weird you know stuff, and that's like that's just all this is, right? So everything's effed up. There's like no people. There's no cars. There's no civilization. It's just all monsters, and then swamp. <laughs> so perfect. So <clears throat> as long as there's no carriages for you to crash, then I'll definitely try and play it with you. It, well, I can't drive anything in that game, so no. Yeah, so you can't get me killed. <laughs> but I've never gotten you killed. Like I've only brought you to victory with my driving skills. So. <laughs> Yeah, or all those times we played PUBG when I was just on the back of a bike or something, and then we would ju- I just get sniped yeah, you, every time. Me. You would survive, but I don't. That's like the thing I'm afraid problem. of. Yeah, I would make it out through most of the things, then turn around and try to run people over with a motorcycle or some shit, <laughs> pull off some evil can evil crap. But I mean, you can't really do that in this game. Uh, if you start up running around shooting things in the head, which is what I like to do a lot because I don't give a fuck. Uh, I swear to God, people are like. Either there's two types of people in this game. There's the campers who are cowards and just sit there and wait for someone to get near the objective and then try to grief you. And then there's the other type of people who are just like, I'm going to fucking kill every person in the game. And they don't even try to fight monsters. So it's like <laughs> pick a camp. <laughs> well, all right. Sounds pretty cool. Um, and if you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can write in the show and hear your thoughts right on the air. Uh, give us a random question of the week or just say hey by dropping us line at thevideogamepals at gmail.com. And you can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. Stay up to date with all the cool stuff we're doing here at the Pals Network. And if you guys want to help out the show, if you're an audio listener, we'd really appreciate it if you guys could drop us a like on your platform of choice. Or if you really want to help us out, you can head over to I- or iTunes, Jesus, Apple Podcasts, where we're currently a five star rated show and give us one of those sweet reviews it really helps the show get recognized and uh if you're on youtube you can do us a solid by liking the video subscribing to the channel if you haven't already clicking that notification bell so you know when we post these videos and last but not least the best thing you can do if you want to help out the show is share it with your pals let them know we're out here and that you're enjoying the show so with that i guess that means it's time for the news the news we talking about the news the news the news we talking about the news all right, so we've got the just the most stuffed news list uh, that we have had in quite some time, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, our first couple items are all about a little game coming out this Friday called Spider-Man by Insomniac. It's a game Sean and I are both very excited oh, for. Yeah. So, and uh, this is the first time that we've ever really talked about Spider-Man at a, in a significant capacity where Sean and I were both on the show. So, uh... <laughs> wow. Yeah, this this is going to be tight. Um, so if you're you know a Sony fan, you're a Spider-Man fan, you're probably already very excited to get your hands on the game. But uh, thanks to Insomniac Games community director James Stevenson, uh, we have uh, an idea of how long we're going to be playing the game. So uh, when he was over on Twitter, he answered a fan's question uh, where he said, Our average playtester took around 20 hours on default difficulty, but spent a lot longer if they did a ton of side quests slash activities. So, uh, basically, you know, we, we got a clarification there that, like, if you are, like, doing side quests, if you're trying to hit all the game's collectibles, unlock all the costumes, all that kind of stuff, there's a lot more for you to do. But if you're the kind of person who just wants to play through the main story, hit a couple of the fun side quests, and call it a day, 20 hours is about what you can expect. 
So, Sean, what do you think about this? Well, I think it sounds great. Uh, the length of a game, I, I never really think about it too much. I really only care if the game is good. And if the game is good and there's something to do, typically in, in games like this, there's something to do outside of the main storyline. So if that stuff doesn't feel tedious, uh, I, I immediately think about the little girl who lost her balloon in Spider-Man 2. <laughs> My balloon! That, that was the worst. <laughs> um, you, you know, like Ar- the Arkham games give you a really good template of how that should look. The main story is awesome, and you can follow that if you want to, and that could be the only thing you do. But if you want to do other things, there are hidden bosses that you can fight, um, different things that you can kind of see that play into future games and stuff like that uh, if you do the side quests. And that bumps up the the time it takes to beat the game, which I always love. So um, this sounds great. Either way you want to play it, it sounds like you're in for a fun time. Yeah, I actually think this is the perfect amount of time uh, for a, a big open-world AAA game. Like, <clears throat> the older I get, the more uh, I think... Like, the more I think a shorter game is of greater value to me. Because, like, when a game is... You know, like like Persona 5, for example, right? It was a game that I was really, really enjoying. Um, but when it was, like, you're 20 hours in, and or 10 hours in, or however long I had gotten in and there's still another 90 to go, that's daunting, you know? And, like, especially at my age when I don't have as much time to play video games, at my age where I have more expendable income to spend on video games, and when there are so many choices, I'd rather have a really excellent 20-hour experience than a 40-hour experience that feels padded. If it's not 100 hours, don't even bother calling me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing, Andy. With all these collectibles and costumes, it could easily be a 100-hour experience. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. And I'm also excited about this because I feel like it being shorter uh, increases the likelihood that Sean and I complete it in a timely enough fashion for us to do a spoiler cast, which is something we've never done and I would love to do. Um. So, and I'm just excited to be playing the same game for once on this show. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that should be fun. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a blast. I can't wait to get it in my hands on Friday. This is uh, a game that I'm gonna really, really spend a lot of time with, and I'm excited to do so because honestly, I haven't really dove into a single player experience in in years at this point. Honestly, so this is gonna be a yeah, fun it's game. gonna be fun, man. Yeah. Uh, so then we, we also learned a little bit more about the game uh, from Mr. Stevenson, where he took to the PlayStation blog and revealed the team's post-launch DLC plans. Uh, so I'm just going to read a little bit from it. Uh, it's pretty short. So uh, here we go. James writes, Hey everyone, after spending over three years working on Marvel Spider-Man, it's a thrill that the game is launching next week. We hope you've got pre-orders ready and can't wait to explore our original Spider-Man universe next Friday, September 7th. Marvel Spider-Man brings many great surprises, story moments, and gameplay that you should that should keep you busy. We know many of you want to know what's next, though, and so we're thrilled to announce the release schedule for Marvel Spider-Man The City That Never Sleeps DLC. The first chapter of Marvel Spider-Man The City That Never Sleeps is Marvel Spider-Man The Heist. That's a lot of Spider-Man. <laughs> and it's a lot will be of released... Marvel Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it will be released on October 23rd. 
uh, as you can, or as you play the base game, you'll realize that Felicia Hardy, aka Black Cat, is back in town, and she's leaving clues around to toy with Spider-Man. In Marvel Spider-Man: The Heist, the she finally reveals herself. Uh, featuring new missions and challenges, as well as brand new faction of enemies and three additional suits to unlock, you won't want to miss it. Um, so we'll we'll pause there. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I I actually really like that the first piece of DLC is so soon after the game comes out because it increases my likelihood of actually picking it up and playing it. Yeah, actually, same here. I really am more likely to forget about a game if the DLC takes some time to release um are you how do you feel about the fact that a lot of people are upset about the fact that the dlc is coming out so soon dude i i really hate when people get mad about that because i think it's stupid like uh it's just not like because people always come at it with this narrative of why wasn't that in the original game you know and like why didn't you just wait and release it later and it's like if you go by that logic like why would why ever release the game then? Why don't you wait until the game of the year edition's done and then call that the full game? You know, it's like we had um, Stevenson come out on Twitter. I don't have the um, the tweet that he that he put out, but he he made it the statement that it's like, look, man, like we had a separate team, you know, while we were developing this team or while we were developing the game proper, uh, that their whole job was to make DLC, and like you know, this was never intended to be part of the main game. It was always intended to be part of the DLC plan. And to me, like, the fact that all of the DLC is done before the end of 2018 means I'll probably actually play it, as opposed to it being a thing that comes out six months from now in the middle of 2019, and then I never go back and I never touch it. Because I'm done with Spider-Man by that point. I've moved on to the next game. Whereas if it's coming out in October, I'll probably have just finished Spider-Man. You know, it could be a dalliance while, you know, I'm waiting for Red Dead or, or whatever, you know, like when it comes out in November, if it's, again, if there's short little things that you can just jump in and there are maybe three hours or whatever, that's another weekend back with Spider-Man versus asking me to come back to the game, you know, years, you know, not years after, but like a half a year later when I don't even have the muscle memory of the game anymore. I See, think- I... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, I feel almost exactly the opposite. I'm way more likely to pick up a big, like, DLC thing if it's sometime removed from the game proper. Uh, Just because, like, I like being done with things, you know? I I like to put things down and then come back to them. And, I don't know, I like to see a DLC and say, oh, there's a new Spider-Man, I can go back and, like, revisit that, versus I'm playing Spider-Man forever. So, I mean, do you think that there's a, a problem with that, though, where, you know, because, like, I feel like that worked for me with Far Cry 5, where, like, I had the DLC and I didn't play the first one or two when they came out, because I was like you, I put it down and I was kind of done with it, and then I came back and it was all there, and I was like, oh, cool, now I'm going to play all this. No, and, like, I... like, pick around through it. I don't see a problem with it, but I'm, like, I'm less likely to buy it if it's not, like, new and there. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... I feel like for me, the only time that happens is when I buy a season pass already and then I'm like, oh, right, I have this, so I might as well play it, which happened to me with Far Cry because I got the season pass for free, Um, or if I buy a Game of the Year edition, and then I'm just like, oh, this is just the game. Right, yeah. Um, I definitely get that, but I generally am not one to buy season passes, so I don't frequently have the, you know, the DLC backlog sitting on my... Yeah. 
Play- it's only happened to me when I've bought, like, a deluxe edition of a game. Like, I bought, like, you know, like, Arkham City because I wanted the statue and I got all the DLC, you yep. know? Or Far Cry 5. I remember Sony sent me a discount code and I was able to get the deluxe edition for less than the price of the regular game. That's dope. I think DLC is a touchy subject, even still, after all these years. And yeah. there is no there is no right answer in terms of how to deliver DLC content. I think the only outright wrong answer is if the DLC is already on the disc. I really don't think there are yes. many people who will be cool with that. But beyond that, in terms of a strategy for releasing it, there will always be people who will enjoy one form of strategy versus the other. I, I read a lot of people were very upset that the DLC was announced before the game is even out. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get why you'd be mad about that, but it's not a question of just wait for the game to be quote-unquote done because the game is done. The game is done. The the main story, all that stuff, their original intentions for the game is done. This is just the aftermath. And and a a different team made this content, you know? Yeah, but even if that wasn't the case... This is just the way that gaming works in 2018. It's the way that gaming has worked for this entire decade, and um, I don't want to say you have to get over it. You don't. You don't have to. If you don't want the DLC though, and you feel like this is robbery, then don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Don't just complain. Yeah, just speak with your wallet. Yeah, it's that simple, you know. And like, I think this this model is the way it is because people like DLC and they buy it and as much as people complain about it, a lot more people want it than don't. Or it's profitable at least, right? Like, or they wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I, that, that argument has just never really, like, held much weight for me because, like, I believe Insomniac when they tell me that this isn't something that was supposed to be in the game that they're now putting behind a paywall. You know? Like, it's just, it's different. It's different content and if you want additional shit, Pay for it. And if you don't, don't. It's that simple. I've never understood, like, the the fire in people's bellies about it, really. Well, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense. There's content within the game they bought that they can't access. Well, that's the thing. If it's on the disc, I agree with you. But with this, it's not. It's just it's a totally different thing. Right. You know? it's, just, it's just that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you bought a game, that was all that there existed yeah. for that game. Versus now, sure. you can well, keep a game running for... I mean, forever if you want to. And you can see as much of it as you pay to see. And I understand why it feels bad. Uh, but you just have to you just have to accept that this is just the way gaming is. Well, it's... like, did people... You know, I wasn't cognizant of this. But back before we called it DLC, when it was like you could go out and you could buy the expansion. And it, like, came right. on its own disc. And you had to install it on your computer separately. But, like, you still needed the base game. Were people up in arms about that? Because it seems like uh, depends, this is the man. same kind of thing. It's like I agree. when StarCraft came out with Brood War, people were like, fuck yeah, dude, that's an expansion, I'm up for it. When Red Alert had expansions, they, people were up for them too. But the difference even being was like most of Red Alert 2's expansions were just like reskins. Like they didn't innovate on the game. They just put new stuff in. It was just like mission packs almost. So they were more closer to the DLCs we'd see today. But I don't think people, if they did, I mean, we didn't have the internet nearly as much, so... I don't think people really bitched about those things in particular, but obviously you had people trying to pump out expansions that were just shit, you know? Some things were supposed to be expansions that turned into new games, like 
the Might and Magic series has like 20 games in it, and half of them were just like quarter games almost, you know? Well, and people are mad about them. Like Yuri's Revenge, for example, for, yeah, for Red that's Alert, a good one. the Red Alert series was 1000% almost a new game in the sense Yeah, I'm that, sorry. I meant Red Alert 1 with the expansions. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, they, they were just like, oh my God, the same units and all these things and Einstein's Chrono, whatever. And Red Alert right. 2 Yuri's Revenge, it was like, that was a brand new game, new cutscenes, new everything. They had new new fucking you know mocaps for it, or not mocap. Um, the v- uh, FMV sequences yeah. for it. Um, oh they god, just... FMV sequences. <laughs> I mean, I played Wing Commander on DOS with that FMV, you know. All the... So it's like I grew up on that shit. So <laughs> that's very dear to me. <laughs> hey, pick up Night Trap now available on the Nintendo Switch eShop. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It is. The Warcraft series games. Uh, yeah, th- those those expansion packs were very 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 different. They're huge. Um, yeah. And obviously World of Warcraft, and you can go on and on with MMOs. Yeah. This is not that. This is very different than that. I I think this is, is it, really though? similar. It's, it's, it is. Yeah, it's a story expansion. Like it's a story expansion. It's got those, new cutscenes. It's probably got like maybe a new mechanic or two. Those added content that, like for example, in Red Alert Two: Yuri's Revenge, it added an entirely new unit or group of units to play as completely different that wasn't you couldn't access that in the original game it didn't exist uh warcraft was the same thing um it's it's a very very different thing if you only play the base spider-man game you're not missing a ton if you don't buy the dlc whereas if you didn't buy an expansion to like Warcraft 3, you literally don't know the whole story. You literally have never played with a bunch of the units which changed yeah. the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I don't think that they're different in principle, but I think like the distinction that you're outlining is I feel like a lot of time those expansions felt like a point five addition to a game. You know, where it's like like even like something like like The Sims, right? Where like the first Sims game had like ten expansions or whatever, and each one added like a big new brick of content. And it's like you're still building on the same experience, but it is like adding what could have been its own game essentially, you know, onto the bones of another game. So like I guess yeah, that's that's a little different. But I I, I think what Andy's saying in terms of like people's like up and getting up in arms about it, I I don't see much of a difference. I think if this right, like just to get back to this article or this blog post, like they announced two other expansions, um, one that's called Turf Wars and one that's called Silver Lining. Uh, Turf Wars is out in November and Silver Lining's out in December. Uh, but you can pre-order all three of them right now for the bundled price of twenty five bucks, or you can get them for ten bucks each. I mean. Paying $25 for what amounts to, you know, what, if say each of these are three hours, about an additional 10 hours of content, which is about half of what they said the main game takes, that's, like, pretty similar when you really, like, get down to brass tacks. And, like, I I think what you said earlier, Sean, we kind of got away from it. Um, I I think people are so mad because it was when it was announced. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference between back then and now. If this had been announced when, like, if Spider-Man was out and had gotten all its nines and whatever and eights and everybody's like, it's great and we love it. And then they were like, hey, DLC's out in, like, two weeks or DLC's out in, like, you know, another three weeks or whatever. I think this would be a totally different narrative. Yeah, again, there there is no right way to do it. There will always be people upset one way or the other. And it is what it is. I personally don't care 
because I've gotten over this, but uh, seven years ago, I would have been mad too because I just bought this game. Well, yeah, and in this case, I didn't even buy the game, and you're already trying to sell me on more, which, again, like, I get it, but to your point, that's just kind of how it is now. So it's like, just, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't understand getting up an arm. Buy it or don't. Um, but either way, uh, one thing that's worth pointing out, too, is if you haven't pre-ordered the game yet, uh, you can grab the digital deluxe edition, which will get you all three of these for uh, 80, if you pay 80 bucks. Wow. So you can save, you can save $5 on all the DLC. Uh, and then you also get a bunch of like cool pre-order stuff if you if you download or if you pre-order it. Uh, you can get like a, there's like a pin you know that you can get as like your kind of Spider-Man swag. There's like a couple uh, exclusive pre-order costumes and shit like that. So um, you know you can totally go grab that yet. Uh, you've got a couple days, and I think if it's still eligible, I think right now for that new Amazon deal where you get ten bucks back. So might be worth doing. You're really only spending seventy bucks on it then. Um, I know I got that PS4 Pro bundle, so I already own all these, uh, unintentionally. So, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Your boy's excited. Man, I uh, feel like you picked the wrong PS4 Pro bundle, gotta say. Ooh. <laughs> that Kingdom Hearts one is sexy. Oh, dude, this one's better than the Kingdom Hearts Strong one. Strong disagree. I, I wanted the Kingdom Hearts one back in, uh, in, in the summer, but then I saw this and I was like, forget about it. Oh. That controller is next level, dude. Those monochrome buttons are, ugh, I love it. Can't wait. Strong disagree, but I'm glad you're happy with your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, if I was gonna go back on my pre-order, I would have gotten that 500 million PS4, that translucent blue one. That, that one's goofy is... as fuck. Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> what are you kidding me? And you got you got terrible taste. I mean, if I wanted a <laughs> PS4 that looked like my childhood Game Boy, yeah. Um, and you don't? I mean, I kind of do, but Exactly. It doesn't make it not goofy as fuck. You're goofy as fuck. Get well, yeah. <laughs> Gorsh. And now we're back to Kingdom Hearts. It all comes full circle. <laughs> So, uh, it, uh, you know, in addition to uh, some of the drama around this DLC, there was uh, a couple other fans on the internet who took to social media to uh, give Insomniac some shit over what they perceived as a graphics downgrade uh, based on what we had seen uh, for the game at E3. So I think there's like a pretty uh, well-circulated screenshot that most people have seen now of one of the scenes of the game where it's the E3 and it's the one in practice and the lighting's a little bit different. There's this puddle that's smaller. Uh, so, oh no, a puddle smaller. Yeah, so we got a response uh, from, um, from Insomniac again from James Stevenson who's just lighting up the news section this week. Uh, but he he had his response here about the downgrade. They made their official statement to say that there had been, quote, no downgrade. Um, Insomniac took to Twitter and said, it's just a change in puddle size. There's no downgrade at all. And then James Stevenson added on his own Twitter, he said, the puddles being moved had nothing to do with performance. Um, and then when asked, then why would you remove them? He said, pretty sure it was a design slash art slash usability reason thing. Definitely wasn't performance as we have spots with tons of puddles in the game with no performance issue. <laughs> so if you're mad about puddles, dry up. Spider-Man's going to be fun. Cannot wait to get my hands on it. Uh, so yeah, tune in next week. Sean and I should have some of our initial impressions, right? You're getting a day one. 
I am getting a day one, yes. Hell yeah. So as long as my PS4 doesn't show up late, uh, we'll both have our impressions by next week. So, uh, moving right along, Battlefield Five has been delayed, uh, which, you know, I'm going to speculate a little bit. I, I got to imagine this is to get out of the way of Red Dead Redemption. Uh, Battlefield has never missed a, uh, a date before. But uh, here is, uh, we got a statement from Oscar Gabrielson, who's the gener- general manager of DICE, uh, and I'll let him explain to you why they're delaying Battlefield. Today we're announcing that Battlefield 5 will have a new launch date, November 20th, 2018. I wanted to give you a little bit of insight into how we arrived at this new date. Over the summer, we'd have tens of thousands of players get their hands on the game during our closed alphas and at E3 and Gamescom. We were honored to receive the awards for best multiplayer game at both shows. You have told us that you are seeing an increased focus on squad play come through. You are also feeling the difference in our revamped player movement, and we are getting a lot of positive feedback for our improved weapons handling. You've also spurred us to take some, uh, make some meaningful improvements to the core gameplay experience, including adjusting the gameplay tempo, improving soldier visibility, and reducing player friction. You'll see a lot of these reflected in our open beta that starts on September 6th. So that's this Thursday. Uh, we believe we have one of the best Battlefield games ever on our hands, a game that will deliver an emotional journey through the royal, uh, the return of unseen single-player war stories, a deep multiplayer experience, Battle Royale, along with our new live service Tides of War, a journey across multiple theaters of World War II and designed to keep our community together. With the open beta just around the corner, we are excited about the millions of you who will join us and experience the game, and we fully expect to see even more feedback coming our way. And that's why we're moving our launch date. Okay. Uh, We're going to take the time to continue to make some final adjustments to core gameplay to ensure we really deliver on the potential of Tides of War. We know moving the launch date means we have to... Uh, We all have to wait a little longer, but we're going to take our time to make sure we get it right. Thank you for your continued passion and support. We can't wait to see you on the battlefield in just a few days. So, my conspiracy theory is that they're moving to get away from Red Dead. And, like, I'm interested to hear if any of you guys disagree after hearing that statement. Because when I read that statement, when they put it out, um, what was it? That was a couple days ago. Uh, and <laughs> I, they have this thing that's just paragraph after paragraph of, we've received nothing but unilateral praise for how good this game looks. And that's why we're delaying it. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I, I've heard nothing but positive things from all the people that have played it. Like, you know, impressions at Gamescom and everything seemed really positive. So, like, I can't imagine why you push back this game for any other reason than to get out of the way of the splash that is going to be Red Dead 2. I, that makes perfect sense. I can't think of any reason it would be something else. Like, COD did it too. Like, <laughs> I mean, man, like, you just got to look at the little bit of controversy they were having before with saying the sales weren't good enough for the pre-orders, you know, and stuff. And they probably just looked at Red Dead and everything and said, fuck it, what's it going to hurt at this point? You know what I mean? If they're not already getting the pre-order sales that they want, uh, it's going to come out and people like it, right? So everyone says they like it. So push it back a little bit and just let it breathe. And it seems to help. I mean, maybe, like, I hate to bring up a corpse, but, like, maybe, like, Titanfall 2 would have, like, had better, you know, if they had moved it around. I mean... Almost definitely, you know? Well, I mean, like, he talks about it saying, like, it's going to die because it's between two mass- massive games. And, like, this one has more of a shot to not die, obviously. It's fucking Battlefield. It's one of the games that... And they're different, you know? Yeah, and like, Red Dead is huge, but Battlefield isn't Red Dead. Right, but this is also one of the games that was, like, surrounding Titanfall 2 last time. So it's, like, yep. interesting to see that this one moved, for sure. Uh, I don't think that they're not confident in it. I just think that they... They want to get the most bang for their buck and make sure that the launch has its time to breathe. You know, I don't think this is ind- is indicative of the game being 
bad or anything. And the open beta is this week, right? In the sixth. So yeah, Thursday. I mean, I'll jump on it. We'll have we'll have words on it next week too to see how it cool. actually is. Um, yeah, we should get some impressions. Sure, it's up. gonna be fine. You know. Yeah, I I I don't think Battlefield has any reason to worry. It's just really funny. I, I thought this just press release was so hilarious. Oh, it is. Of how it's literally just a victory lap of how good this game seems. And they'd be like, also, we're moving it for no reason. You know? <laughs> uh, but all right. So moving over to the world of Nintendo. Uh, last week, we teased the Nindy Summer Showcase. And now that the dust has settled, we've seen 12 previously unannounced Switch titles and release dates for 10 other indie and games. And nothing for Wargroove. I'm not bitter. I am more bitter. I bought the fucking Switch just for that. <laughs> right? I can't believe that game is still not out. I can't out. believe that game still doesn't have, like, a loose release date. Yeah. Not even a window. Not a window, not even a year. Just, it's coming to Switch. Eventually. And other platforms, but... Man. Yeah, I just want my Advance Wars. Come on. Is it too much to ask for? And then, I, you know, I mean, I guess it is, so... <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I, I will say I was admit I uh, I was admittedly disappointed to not see Wargroove, but the stuff that we did see I thought was really cool. Uh, there's a lot of really tight games coming to Switch. Um, there's a couple like you know indie darlings that if you haven't gotten your hands on yet, now's the perfect opportunity to pick them up. Uh, you got Hyperlight Drifter, Bastion, Undertale, Towerfall. Uh, all of them got you know release dates. Some of which got exclusive content for Switch. Towerfall is missing the one thing it needs, and that's online multiplayer. Yeah, I don't understand why he's so against that. I, it sucks. It, it's like it's like a, a a great couch co-op game. It's so much fun. But, yeah, it would be but great like, that online. I live several hours away from most of my friends, so I'm not gonna buy it. Yeah, uh, I will say though, it is that is a like a game I'm is so at home on the Nintendo Switch. Like it, that's such a perfect game where like if you and your you know you and your friends are like at a movie theater, like, waiting to get a, a, a table at dinner or something. It's like, you could pop that down and play, like, four or five matches in a few minutes and, you know, like, really just, and have a fun experience. Um, and the fact that they're adding Celeste uh, and, I forget, you know, Madeline and Badeline to the game, because Matt makes games, it's the same developer, that's really cool. So I also wish we'd gotten a, an announcement or a release date, I should say, for Better Towerfall, a.k.a. Duck Game. Dude, they need to put Duck Game on the Switch. They're doing it. Oh, they announced like, that? Adult Swim Games announced that, like, months ago. Nice. But have not said anything since then other than, yeah, we're going to put Duck Game on the Switch. Well, uh, hopefully at the next Nindies event, which I think we're probably going to start seeing a lot more of. Because uh, one of the things that they announced was that they actually have added a indie channel to the Switch now. So there's like an app that you can use that has, ooh, excuse me, uh, news, announcements, and interviews with indie developers. So it's like a awesome hub for you to go and see all the new indie content that's coming to Switch and see what you might be interested in. That's really cool. It's it's smart. Yeah. You know, like a, this new initiative to add like 30 or 40 indie games every week, like stuff's obviously going to get lost in the shuffle. And especially when you're adding old games that maybe you didn't, you know get the first time around i think having a, a place where you can go and get a little bit of curation you know and have like hey here's the games we have partnerships with here's the really big games coming to the console that's a really good idea yeah it, it honestly sounds like a lot of the concern for how many games they wanted to put out indie wise was overblown 
I mean, I always thought it was, but when you look at the fact that they're actually supporting the games that are good or the game developers that they have relationships with, and they're doing, they're, they're posting interviews with them, I mean, the exposure that these games are going to be getting is fantastic. And who else yeah. is offering this level of exposure? Nobody. And I don't, I don't think there's another console right now that's as, as attractive a destination for indie developers as the Switch. It's easy to port your games on it. The games sell well. Now they have this channel to advertise your game if it's good. It's like it's a great, think great it, place to be. I think it depends, honestly, um, on where your game's at in development and where you are as a studio. Uh, because I think if your game's already out and you're looking to bring it somewhere else or you're looking to follow up on an established project or you have a name, you're absolutely right. It's the Switch. Yeah. But uh, Microsoft is also willing to throw money at any promising-looking, like, proof of concept. <laughs> oh, with yeah. With their ID at Microsoft program. Right. Or ID at Xbox. And I think with what you're – the point you're making there is, like, the probably the best path for an indie game right now is to get – Microsoft or Sony to pay for your game with limited exclusivity yep. and then bring it to Switch where it'll actually sell. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, it's genius. Um, it's great. I mean, it's it's great. There's, it's been a really good time to be an indie dev right now. If you get your game on Switch and your game is good, you make a lot of money. <laughs> or or be Toby Fox and put out one game three years ago and then just make a million dollars every time it gets ported. Yep. Hey, I, dude, I hope Toby Fox makes another video game one day. That's all. That's me too. Hope among hopes, um, but he could just retire probably on Undertale alone now. He could just hang out on Undertale merchandising at this point. Yeah, I think. I, I, I think so. Um, and then just re-release it on every console that ever comes out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, the Todd Howard pack. Exactly. Why, why not? Right. Uh, so other highlights included uh, Mineko's Night Market, which is an adorable game that is very up my alley. My girlfriend's uh, been bugging me about that. <laughs> it, lo- it looks like what if Animal Crossing took place on an island with like that was also just inhabited by like cat spirits. Yeah, hence the Neko, unfortunately. And stuff. It's like, yeah, no, it looks great. I can't wait. It looks adorable. The art style is super cute. It's definitely going to pick that one up. It's. It looks like... Oh, no, I was to say, it's, it's on my Steam wish list, and I didn't put it there. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a game that younger me would be like, oh, why is this even a game? And old me will still not play it, but I acknowledge that it's there's an audience for it. <laughs> an audience that includes Pete and my sister. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then um, <laughs> we also got Untitled Goose Game. The audience for that game is me. Is everyone. If that game doesn't appeal to you, you like a part of you fucking is dead inside because that game looks Just hilarious. A stealth game about being a mean goose. There's a part of me that's dead inside. <laughs> I do not care about this at all. What the oh, hell dude, is like, this? The, it looks like such a fun game to play with a couple of your friends like over beers. My friends you know, just don't passing want the controller around. anything to do with this. I promise you. <laughs> Sean's friends, raise your hand if you want something to do with this. Let's ask his guild. All right, I, 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 I meant the people that I would actually sit on a couch with and play a game on, a, on any kind of regular basis. Have no desire Sean, to see this. You're, when you're coming down for your let's play, don't even uh, finish trip. your sentence. We're playing Untitled Goose Game, brother. There's We're doing no it. Chance. Pete has two couches, not just one. Two. Count them. Two. That's more couches. couches for me to 
exit from and leave the room. <laughs> Sean gets up from the first cows, sits on the second one, and then leaves. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then we also got another game I just wanted to shout out. Uh, there's tons of them again. I've linked to an article down below um, that you where you can check out the full list. But uh, King of Hat was another multiplayer game that looked really interesting to me. Uh, where like it's like a fighting kind of towerfall duck game esque beat 'em up, you know, party fighter where you have to like use hats to get special powers and like knock off your friends' hats. It seems fun. So uh, yeah, make sure you go check that stuff out. Um, that we shouted out there. There's a ton of other games, most of which look really good, I thought. This was one of the stronger Nindy showcases I think we've seen in a while, where most of the games I saw looked appealing. You know, whether or not they're necessarily for me, they all looked like they were, like, a good, you know, a, a really quality offering. So, that's pretty tight. Uh, so, moving right along, that wasn't the only indie news this week. Yacht Club Games has revealed the final Kickstarter stretch update to their undeniable classic Shovel Knight. Uh, so, the, the new mode is... Uh, undeniable? Yeah, undeniable classic. If you can look me in the face and say Shovel Knight isn't a classic, you're a liar. It's not old enough to be a classic. That's irrelevant. <laughs> it's a modern classic, Andy. So anyway, uh, they've uh, revealed a new multiplayer battle mode called Shovel Knight Showdown, which is going to be releasing as both a standalone title for 10 bucks, just like they've been doing with their other expansions, or as a free update to Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Uh, so Showdown allows up to four players to compete in a uh, couple different game modes. Um, there's one-on-one duels. They have four-player free-for-alls. Um, and then you can like team up with another player and play against AI if you want to do that. Uh, so they have like a, a money mode called Gem Clash. There's Showdown, which is just kind of like a straight up battle, and then there's like a full fledged story mode, which uh, changes based on which of the characters you're playing. Um, there are 16 playable characters to choose from. Jeez. You're going to be able to play as any of the main characters, all the Knights of the Order and No Quarter, uh, and then a couple other characters that have never been playable before, like um, some of the like mobs and stuff like that, which is cool. Uh, and each one of the each version of the story has its own unique set of challenges, mini games, and a final like boss encounter. So lots of content here. Um, it's going to be coming out worldwide uh, in 2019 on uh, Switch, PS4, Xbox One, anywhere Shovel Knight is pretty much. Uh, but if you own the game on 3DS or PS Vita, you're going to be disappointed to learn that uh, this version will not be coming to the game. So this specific Fucking update. Shocker. <laughs> well, it's it's all the single player stuff. Like the the King expansion that is coming out alongside this is going to come to Vita and 3DS. But for what, this this one mode is just not going to make it, I guess, because four player multiplayer on 3DS and Vita, not so easy, I guess. <sighs> the you peoples of the world have finally won out. <laughs> Uh, so then, last week, uh, Yacht Club also gave a uh, final release date for a physical version of Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, which is now going to be retailing for 40 bucks at that point, uh, because they update it every time they add one of these new $10 games, basically. Um, which is also going to ha- serve as the release date for Showdown and um, the, last, the last campaign that I mentioned, King of Cards, which stars King Knight, and then the Treasure Trove Amiibo 3-pack, which I ordered like a year ago. So, <laughs> is that the uh, one that Aaron... Uh, <laughs> Uh, advertised <laughs> where he had like the Amiibo yeah. music making out of them practically. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's that's coming in uh, uh, March of 2019. Cool. I think it's um, March 9th. So right, you know, right around the corner. But um, 
you know, a, a little more of a weight than I was hoping for. I, uh, obviously, I'm a huge Shovel Knight fan, but um, I think the thing that's most exciting about this for me is uh, as much as I love Shovel Knight and as cool as these additional content packs have been, I'm really ready for Yacht Club to move on and do something else. Um, and now that they're finally done uh, fulfilling <laughs> stretch goals for their Kickstarter from four fucking years ago, uh, I'm so excited to see a Shovel Knight 2 or, you know, a totally different game. Which, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by because I'm sure they're a little bit ready to move on from Shovel Knight. I am a little bit ready to move on from Shovel Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, but only to Shovel Knight 2 in 16-bit. Let's go. <laughs> get out! You get out! So, uh, moving right along and wrapping up. You know, I, I kind of sandwich Shovel Knight between Nintendo news because I feel like he's a Nintendo boy. But uh, so we also got a direct detailing Nintendo's latest mobile effort, the previously unannounced Dragalia Lost. So uh, did you guys get a chance to check out this direct? No. No. Yeah. Uh, if you were like most people, you didn't see it because in the States, it aired at 1130 p.m. Well, that's probably why I, I didn't hear about it then. That's <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, so super weird. I guess, you know, they were trying to air it primarily for the Japanese audiences, but it's like, hey, maybe just do the English one at a different time. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> I was awake and caught it and did a write-up about it uh, over on Lupots.com. So I've got all the fucking hot takes about it. Uh, but basically, the game is an action RPG. It's co-developed by uh, a developer called Psy Games. It's going to be coming to Android and iOS devices on September 27th. And it takes place in a world where uh, human beings and dragons used to coexist peacefully. And now, because of rising darkness, they've got to reunite and basically fuse together because Japan's really into fusing with monsters and stuff. Um, so you're going to be playing the Prince of, uh, Alberia, which is like this kingdom, you know, you've got dragon blood, you will have a party of up to four characters, uh, each of which, you know, has different abilities. You all have different elemental skills, different weapon types, very similar to like what we've seen in, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, but the difference is that instead of it being like, you know, a tactical RPG, it's action oriented. So you use the touch screen to move around the screen, um, and like dodge stuff like there's like, you know, um, like they showed like, uh, like a thing that was like spitting fireballs, right. That you needed to like move your way around. So you have like very traditional movement and then all battles take place in real time and you tap to like swing your sword. And then you've got like another button you can use to use a special ability or cycle between your characters or transform into a dragon. Um, there's going to be 60 available NPC allies, all of which have their own story and their own stats and all that kind of stuff. So there's like, you know, a ton of different content that you can get through. But I think the really interesting thing is that the game is com also completely multiplayer friendly. So every single mission in the game can be done with multiplayer. Uh, you can either do like kind of a quick match like with other people or you can play with your friends through like a private, um, you know, server kind of setup thing. And uh, they, like, show that there's going to be, like, raids where you can team up with other teams and do, like, major boss battles and stuff. So there's, like, a lot of content here. Like, it seems like a fairly robust RPG for, for what's a, you know, uh, a mobile game. Um, 
And then uh, just kind of the last little bit I wanted to touch on is uh, if you guys are a um... – oh, there's also, like, a very traditional – like, if you've played, like, Pokemon Quest or other, like, mobile kind of, like, roguelikes like this, there's, like, a kingdom area that you can build up to, like, increase your stats and level up your characters and, you know, farm up new stuff. And there's, like, a gotcha um, system where you can – called summoning where you can spend real money to roll new characters and new items and stuff like that. Um, like I said, I linked to an article down below that I wrote that has like all the specific details, but, uh, the one weird thing is that it's, if you're, you know, a European listener, um, it's not launching anywhere in Europe. It's only going to be in America, Japan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Macau, which is like a weird, right? Really weird region limitations. But- it might have something to do with like. The way data works in Europe, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some yeah, kind of, that, like, that could totally be possible. I, I it's a it's a long known fact that Nintendo hates Europe. Well, that yeah, too. They they, <laughs> they never support Europe as well as uh, the you know other like Western, well specifically America, really, um, and then you know Eastern countries. But uh, so, what do you guys? I know you guys didn't get to check out the direct, but have you seen any of the footage from this? Have you checked any of this stuff out? This game looks awesome. Uh, I am right. Yeah, I am now a mobile gamer. Uh, because of Marvel Strike Force. And this game looks like the kind of mobile game that I probably would have um, been interested in even before I decided to give mobile games a chance. So, as long as it's not uh, money-grabby, which it doesn't sound like it is based on your outline, um, it looks like a game that I I will probably play. Do you wait? Actually, I should ask. Do you know if it's free, a free to play mobile game? Yeah. So specifically, the way it works is the game's totally free to play, and it seems like it. The gotcha system works basically exactly the same as Fire Emblem Heroes did, where there's uh, two different kinds of currencies. There's a currency called uh, Wormite, which you can get by just playing the game. So, like, if you log in daily, you get, like, a login bonus. If you complete certain quests and stuff, you can, or, like, events, you can get it as a reward and you can use it. Uh, or you can use the Diamantium, which is the premium currency, which you can get. They have, like, a, a screenshot that they said, like, prices are subject to change, but uh, they had it available uh, for 48 of it for a buck, 193 of it for $4, 484 of it for 9.99 and 980 of it for uh uh 19.99. Okay. So it it seems like the only thing that you need money for is to do the summoning, which is optional cuz you can get characters just from playing the game. Or you can play with other people and not even need any of the NPC characters. Right. Yeah, no, this looks this looks really 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 cool. Absolutely. Graphically, it looks really nice. Um, mobile games don't always look really great, and I think no. this is one of them that looks... Honestly, if you told me that I was watching footage from a game on Switch, I would not question it at all. I think it looks like a 3DS game. Or it 3DS, looks like Bravely yeah. Default. Like, I, I wouldn't like, question it. You know? I, I totally agree. I think it looks really polished. Absolutely. And I also really love the way that you are supposed to dodge... Um, attacks from enemies. Yeah, you swipe to dodge that, and stuff in real time. Yeah, I, I, I can't say if, if I've ever seen that before in a mobile game uh, or if it exists, but that's just really smart and it's intelligent use of the platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it makes the combat seem like very like almost like Legend of Zelda-y, you know, yeah. where it's like kind of like, oh, like you have this kind of isometric tactical 
angle and you can dodge slash dodge slash you know and then like work up your your meter to either get your special mode or uh max out your dragon meter which you get by like collecting these crystals and then when you turn into a dragon you get all these crazy special powers and you're fucking giant and it's like looks awesome yeah this is gonna be fun uh i'll I'll probably play this to be honest i think so too i'm definitely gonna try it i always try nintendo's mobile games whether it'll get its hooks in me is the question um but andy you're a jrpg boy what did this do anything for you uh, I mean, it looks fun. I am definitely not going to play it because I've made the decision that keeping games off my phone is better for both my productivity and mental health. Mm. It's yeah, very um, So, yeah, I'm definitely not going to play it, but it does look like it'll be good. If it comes to Switch, like Pokemon Quest, would you play it? Maybe. Like, I tried Pokemon Quest on Switch, and it just, like, it felt like, why am I playing this? I have games I spent money on on my Switch. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think this seems like that game, but better. And Pokemon Quest was surprisingly fun. Um, Thompson and I remember we had a good amount of fun with it on Pals Play, and I it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Especially those models, they were stupid. Like Eradicate has the giant teeth, and like so it's pixely and all that shit. So it's just like yeah. Eradicate in Pokemon Quest just looked awful and terrifying. So, <laughs> but uh, Thompson, did you? What does this do anything for you? Yeah. I know you fucked around with Fire Emblem Heroes. It seems pretty similar to that. I mean, I, I I pick up mobile games from now and then. Like, I actually picked up Command & Conquer Rivals just to see what it oh. was because I've been shit-talking it so much. I mean, I figured I'd play it, you know, just to, you know, it's like, I don't want to talk about it too much. But <laughs> it's one of those things, like, I'll probably play this. I don't know how well it's going to work on my phone because my phone does not work well at all for mobile games. So card games work really well. Um, things that don't require action swipes work really well. Right. So yeah. I'll get this. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm like trepidatious. I hope it works because it looks, it looks fun. You know, like I haven't played heroes in forever and I don't think I will again. Um, you know, this, like you said, it does look like Pokemon quest, but better, maybe like the Fire Emblem heroes thing with the, the characters kind of remind me of that. So like, they're all fun concepts from different mobile games. Yeah, I like, like. The, the star system yeah. is like the same as heroes. Like there's like, a, like the, you know, way characters are leveled up and all that. It, it, it seems very similar. Yeah, um, yeah. It seems like they've really learned from their past mobile games to try and make something that's like new. It's a new IP, you know, like it's the first original Nintendo game on phones, which is interesting. Um, and it's, it apparently has a pretty robust story. Uh, there was an interview that was translated from Famitsu where the game's director, Hiroki Matsura said that uh, Dragela's lost story has over 600,000 words. Across the main story, all of its side quests, and then individual character interactions and scenarios. Uh, and then he also promised that every time that they added events to the game, it would add at least another hundred words to the story. So, seems like there's going to be a lot of content here. Um, so, if you guys are interested in it, like me and Sean and Thompson, uh, you can go and pre-register the game for the game right now, so you'll be alerted the day that it comes out. Um, but the thing that is interesting of why you actually want to do that is, uh, if you do that, you're going to be, uh, rewarded with an in-game gift of up to, uh, 1500 Wormite if the game reaches 500,000 pre-registered users. <laughs> so they have like a little thing that I linked to oh, in crazy. the article I wrote where based on how many people pre-register, we're all going to get a better, um, reward. So if you're interested, go pre-register. Even if you don't play it, it doesn't cost anything to pre-register. Uh, and if you do, you'll have that that free currency that you can use day one to roll some new characters. So you're definitely going to want to go do that. 
Pregnant pauses. Okay, so moving right along. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk uh, – this is going to be our last story before we get into our meat and potatoes this week. Uh, and we're going to be talking a bit about the Cyberpunk 2077 gameplay that was revealed this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this was something else. Uh, if you all paid attention to our E3 coverage or E3 coverage in general, you would know that uh, most of the games journals that were there could not stop talking about what they saw of Cyberpunk 2077. But because what we had, what they had seen wasn't final, uh, you know, they um, CD Projekt was specifically like asking for feedback and like surveying people to get an idea of what the reaction was to the footage. Um, they weren't going to release it to the public. But there was so much uh, fan outcry and so much positive reception from the press um, that CD Projekt decided to just put it out there. And, and, you know, they were very clear to say this is not, you know, the final version of the game. Everything that we've seen is subject to change. Um, and they want our feedback. So, you know, take what we saw here with a grain of salt. Definitely not a final version of the game. But... What we saw, I think, looks really good and really robust. Uh, so, what, uh, Sean? You you got excited about this. What were your thoughts on this footage? Yeah, what we saw? this is the kind of game that uh, I, I I've I've been waiting for, uh, and I would have died for when I was 15 years old. Just, and I say that just in regards to free time and whatnot, because you can get yeah. lost in a game like this. Um, it, it looks absolutely brilliant. I can't even believe the graphics on this game. Like, it's just so, so good looking. And the, the cool thing about it, too, is that I can't think of a game that had this level of graphics that looks like this in terms of it presenting a world this unique. You know, we've obviously had tons of, of Grand Theft Autos, right, which are replicas of real cities and whatnot. But this is totally different, a different color scheme than we're used to, different art style. I just love the way that it that it blends in you know different looks that we don't get um so i'm really excited about it on that front i typically don't like watching long gameplay like this because me neither uh for me i don't i really outside of trailers don't really want to know much about the game um, I don't want to see the opening sequences and stuff like that. I made an exception because this is such a big deal and we do this show. But if, if I didn't do this show, I wouldn't watch something like this. I, I agree. Um, but that being said, <laughs> what, what... I was going to say, that's why I didn't watch the Life is Strange thing last week. Because I was like, nah, I'm not doing it. Right. Like, it's a story game. That's all that there is. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, that being said, if you told me that this game was finished and, and this was completely polished, I would believe you. Um, mm-hmm. I love everything that's in it. I think that what what they're presenting story wise is really cool, and it reminds me of um, of like a William Gibson novel. Uh, it just it just looks awesome. Uh, one thing that I was a little, I, I I guess I had a question about or didn't really get was that at the very beginning when they show you the options that you have to create your character. Um, they, they, they have the, the backstory concept, which I've not seen in a game before. But, Vampire Masquerade had that shit from oh. back in the day. The, the original Mass Effect did that too, actually. I, I remember I you had you had to like pick a background for your shepherd. Like, oh, like, yeah. Oh, was he a war hero? Huh. Or, and that changed you know. like three lines of uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was not significant at all. <laughs> but what, what I was 
concerned about, I guess, was just that there were literally just a small handful of options. Like, for key life event, based on what's here, you only have three options. And that seems small. I don't know, maybe it's small because there will be such a, a major difference depending on which one you choose. If that's the case, then great. But if that's not the case, then I would love to have more options that do color whatever experience you're going to have. Yeah, I, I got the impression from that, and this is just like me inferring things based on other things that they said, that to me felt very much like a nod to the, like, like they specifically called out that the game is based on a pen and paper system. You know, like, Cyberpunk 2077! Right, like, they, they definitely are like, yo, like, this is very much based on, like, a D20 kind of model, and that's a thing. Right when you play a tabletop role playing game, your character has a backstory, but it's usually like it's two. Sentences. So that's the other thing too to consider, since you it know? is based on that. Most character backstories, when you pick up a game, you're like, "Here's my backstory," and then the game starts, which you use your backstory more of like a template to further progress. And a lot of times, that shit doesn't even come up. So, I mean, I, I like I'm I agree with you, Sean. Like, I would like to have a ton. You know, I like really in depth character creations and stuff. I, I go crazy for that shit. But if it ends up being like Mass Effect where there's three different ones and each one, like Andy said, changes a couple lines of dialogue. It's kind of like, yeah, I was a war hero, whatever. Fuck it. This is my story now. You know, if, if that's yeah. the least I get, like I'm, I'm definitely into having like the most robust character creation ever. Like I love space station 13 game where it's like, you just role play a character that comes out of nothingness and y- you could do anything. So go from that to something like this or anything in between. I'm in for it. Uh, but hopefully it, it, Serves more of like a backdrop if there's only three, you know, and like you could maybe get a couple bonuses and some dialogue or some shit, maybe intimidate someone. It's like, I used to kill people over here in this place. Now I'm all cybered up. Fuck you. And get intimidate score and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, they, they talked about stuff like that. Like they said that there's like a street cred score yeah, yeah. that's directly proportional to like how many side quests you've done and it'll unlock more content and more dialogue options. And, you know, like it seems like you have a lot of choices there. Like I remember they showed like this early mission where there's like these people who are being kidnapped to have their like parts, their cybernetics harvested. And there's like this moment where like you resuscitate this character and it's like, okay, do you want to pick her up or do you want to have your partner pick her up? You know, and like things like that and how each of those things has like a little bit of a butterfly effect seems really, really cool. Um, and that's I'm all about that. That to me is the most attractive thing in a video game is where actions have consequences, big and small. That's that's um, one of the things I like about this, too, because like Vampire Masquerade had a background thing where you get like stats for or against stuff, depending on what you picked. And that you also had clans in that game, too. So it was even further subdivided by having like the backstory thing for it. So each clan had like maybe one or two backstories for that thing and like that game didn't have the the like street kind of stuff to it because you always hid and there was no like real like there was dialogue and shit don't get me wrong it was a big dialogue game but there was no real interaction with like the world around you other than like going through it and either destroying it or you know like completing it so this game can can blend all that shit together you know i mean really it just to me seems like a technological thing like the, the game like like even Mass Effect, like I think if they had the time and the money, they probably would have put more into it back then. You know, it's like sure. they fucking made a huge game in the first one. Uh, except yeah, you have the you ability know. to get more granular with decision making now. Yeah, and and the time that this game has been been worked on, man. Like, um, you know, for like six years, right? And from CD Projekt Red, who has Witcher one, two, and three, which very much is you know massive in Mass Effect ways. You know, like they're they're really, I think 
probably putting more effort into the into that kind of like cohesive you know nature of the game to really bring it together you know i'm just glad we got some, some stuff about it finally because it's funny because we we called yeah, that out we last week like if you guys listened last week at the end of the show we were like oh like i was excited about cyberpunk but i really just want to see the fucking game yeah, already like, i'm and so done hearing like... about it just show me <laughs> and they did and here's a fucking hour worth of footage like, yeah i'm glad man They're like a nice blend of some deus ex mass effect vampire masquerade there's just a whole bunch of systems in here i can see you know the, a bunch of other like no-name games that nobody really cares about like i, I mentioned i divine cybermancy a couple times i see a ton of yeah. stuff from from there that looks very similar to that. and like it doesn't you know it, it just has to get the feel of like a like a you know futuristic kind of shadow runny yeah. kind of game well, I actually wanted to call something out too because something I really like about it is like something that Sean said earlier, right? That like the look yeah, of it, yeah. like not not just graphically, but like the, the color, aesthetic scheme, of like it, the, the color, the, whole... the way that the HUD looks, that like how everything has that like neon pink text. Yeah, and there's lots of like light, soft colors. Mm-hmm. I like that it's like it. I remember I made a joke on, um, you know, if you guys are regular listeners, you'll remember our buddy Ed from the Party Nerds. I was on their E3 special, and I said Cyberpunk 2077 looks like. Um. Uh, oh my God! Hold on. What's what's the game? The movie I'm thinking of with uh, Harrison Ford, Blade Runner. The near future, Blade Runner. I was like, it's like Blade Runner with good lighting. Yeah, and Shadowrun um, is Blade Runner too, and like it's all connected, man. And like, but, Cyberpunk just uh, looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, what's cool about it though is I feel like the the colors that they've chosen, the way that things are lit, and like the fashion and everything makes it seem like. There's the story is gritty, but the world isn't that gritty. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like the idea that there are parts of the world that are normal and parts where it's kind of seedy. Mm-hmm. And like well, I like so the the tag for the the cyberpunk genre that I've always heard thrown around is like high tech low life. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I I think that you're definitely gonna be on the seedy side, but. I really think it would be doing the genre and the source material a disservice if it wasn't like life is kind of shitty across the board unless you're, you know, super duper fucking rich. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that that's what we're going to probably see. Like, I imagine there'll be parts of the city that are like really affluent and you're going to, you know, like probably experience some of that dichotomy between where you're normally hanging around and what the other half lives like, you know? Mm hmm. And I wouldn't put it past CD Projekt Red to play with those themes, you know? Um, it's in The Witcher. I mean, you know, right. for for all the lore it has and everything, they they still get into like social stuff in that game for itself. So, I'll I'll tell you what the thing I'm most excited about uh, is um, is definitely like that character creator and like how in depth it looks. Like the fact that I'm finally going to be able to make a character that like looks like me um, and not a cartoon character version of me is super exciting. <laughs> Your PUBG dude looked kind of like you though, so that was. Kind of. PUBG, PUBG was one that weirdly, like, had exactly my haircut and no shape, mm-hmm. so I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, he looked very strangely good in that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, the fact that, like, you know, the punk fashion is, like, a part of it and everything, I'm like, oh my god, I'll be able to have blue hair that looks natural. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think this looks fantastic. You know, I was already excited about this game, and what we heard about it sounded great, but actually getting, like, to look at it, um... Yeah, like, just, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. I think this game is going to be really fantastic. And, uh, Andy, you said something earlier that spurned a thought in me where it's, like, it really seems like CD Projekt took everything that was, like, cool and attractive to me about The Witcher and then just put it on a game that actually looks like something I want to play. 
Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I've tried all of the Witcher games and just bounce real hard off them. Yeah, same. And this game looks like it's fun to like actually sit down and just fuck around with and not just you know dodge roll forever. Um, Stack potions. <laughs> Quen, Quen, Quen. Um, I, I am a little bit dis uh, like when they showed the, the stuff about the powers and like your character like huffs that inhaler and then gets like the yeah. the character the power on a timer. I was like, that's cool, but I hope that doesn't feel like taking potions in The Witcher. I mean, I it probably will feel more like taking drugs in Fallout or I, in Judge I'm Dredd. Hoping. I'm thinking where they take that or like slow taking, time thing, or even like Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, what was that, Pete? I said they're like even like Bioshock. Oh yeah, yeah. But those are like permanent powers, though. I mean, plasmids and tonics stay with you. Yeah, that's true. Like you, you like yeah. unlock them or upgrade them, and I'm not saying these won't unlock or upgrade either. It's just like as far we as buffs know. go, you know. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. Uh, but basically, for me, all the questions this answered answer were answered in a super positive way. And uh, this game went from being something that was, like, on my radar to being, like, definitely going to purchase this. So the big question, I think, after that is how are you going to spec your character? All Netrunner all day, baby. <laughs> I mean, the cool <laughs> thing is it sounds like it sounds like you – like, your classes are adaptive. So you're able to kind of exist in between classes and, like, play the way you want to play, which was what was so cool to me about Skyrim. So, like, if they can give me that vibe where it's like, oh, like, I really like stealth sometimes, but I also sometimes want to, like, blow people up or whatever. Like, now you're talking yeah, Deus Ex. Exactly. <laughs> Classless, like, just points. Me, you shove points in there, and, and it kind of rolls in the background for you, yeah. The two best things a game can do are present me with options that have, like, ramifications and let me play the way I want to play. And it sounds like that is what this game is all about. And it's in a unique setting with a really cool art style that speaks to me and a potential for a lot of really interesting storytelling. So across the board, this looks like one to definitely keep an eye out for. I agree. I do just want to throw in my caveat for letting us play the way we want to play is a lot of times that feels to me like a... A uh, mile wide and an inch deep. That's not really the right phrase, but it's like letting me letting me play the way I want to play often feels to me like letting me do a hundred things, and none of them are as cool as like one really focused thing or like five or six really focused things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think as long as it doesn't hit that level, we'll be fine. Yeah, no, I think the CD Projekt Red is the the dev to do it yeah and and especially like thompson said they've put so much time into this game that the idea yeah. of them having fleshed out the branching path seems not only probable but like likely considering how well they did that in the witcher you know of making like every path you could take feel like a main story um but the just the last thing i want to say here is i uh i just really want to give them a pat on the back because i think putting out this footage was awesome and it speaks to why people like cd project red you know they're the developer that has a thank you note in every copy of the witcher 3 they're they're the developer that were like please please we really just want to see the footage that you showed everybody and they're like okay just you know 
level, we're leveling with you. It's not done. Don't judge us too harshly. Here's what we got. You know, here's what it looks like right now. And what do you think of it? And, like, that's cool. Like, you know, like, that they're a big, huge AAA developer like that, but they talk to us like we're not idiots. You know, like, where it's like, you can understand that this is not done. You know, that this is something to look at and get a taste of what we're going for and hopefully get you excited without being like, hey, let's let's pick this apart, even though I'm sure people are picking it apart. I'm sure. <laughs> but they gave us the trust, yeah, and I appreciate yeah. that. I really do. Um, and I, it specifically, I asked for this last week. I was like, just I just want to see it already. And then here we go. There's, so, there's probably just a bunch of people like us sitting there saying, hey, man, it's it's. I know it's not done, but come on. It's been so long, you know? <laughs> I just want to see it. Just anything. I just want to see something. Just anything, really. And then they had, you know, had the, the niceness in them to drop a whole chunk of 45 minutes. <laughs> Right? Like, they could have given me 10 minutes and I would have been satisfied. I didn't need 48. And the fact that they gave us that much and we're like, yeah, no, here's what the press saw. Like, what do you think? That's great. It's awesome. And if anything, it'll probably lead to the game being better because they'll get more feedback. You know? Because I think the one thing I've seen people really dinging it for, and it stood out to me too, is like, the voice acting is a little bit off for me. Um, Like, I definitely felt like... uh like, like that, the, the character who seems like he's like your partner or whatever, you know, the, there's like, there's like the beefy Hispanic dude. He sounded like, like, like if, like somebody was doing like a Danny Trejo impression. Maybe he's got a, like a, a little... cyberware in his throat that does Danny Trejo <laughs> modulation. I wish, dude, I mean, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know. Hey man, people are like more than people in that game, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Got, like guns and you know like pop out like pull a pistol out of your head like a compartment or some shit who knows <laughs> cybernetics are a bitch <laughs> um but yeah so i'm excited about this one i, I can't wait for it to come out hope we get a release date soon all right so uh that's gonna wrap it up for the news this le- week and it's gonna take us into our meat and potatoes discussion uh which you know i think uh, anybody who pays attention to the news knows uh, that there was a uh, a shooting in Jacksonville, Florida this week at a Madden tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously this is not the sort of thing we normally, you know, are, are going to be having to discuss on this show. But, um, you know, I think we'd be remiss not to discuss this thing that, you know, brushed up against our world. And, um, I think is definitely going to change the way that, uh, esports events and, uh, video game events in general are handled moving forward. So, um, you know, we're, we're here, we're going to talk through all the situations. Um, you know, uh, I, I know you, you know, at this point, everyone's aware of the story, I think. So I, I want to kind of focus on the story around it and, uh, the people who were affected, and, um, you know, if, if for whatever reason you uh, don't know the full story, I will link to sources that you can check out down below. Um, and uh, I am going to be taking the stance of not saying the name of uh, the the person who committed the crime because I don't want to add to his, um, you know, fame at all. So if that's information you want, I'll link to sources you can get to down below. We're going to focus on on the victims. So I have an article here that I want to read from a bit uh, by Amanda Watts over at CNN. Uh, and I chose this article because of her focus on the gaming community and the, the victims of the crime. 
So, Amanda writes, uh, one of the men shot and killed at a gaming tournament in Jacksonville, Florida on Sunday had won the national tournament, the Madden Classic, two years ago. The other was a formal, former high school football player who loved to play the online version of his favorite sport and had won $51,000 in his short gaming career. They both died in the shooting at the GLHF Game Bar on Sunday, where they were attending a tournament for competitive players of the football game Madden. The winners would go on to a higher-level tournament in Las Vegas in October where large cash prizes could be won. The shooting left 10 injured from gunshots and one person with a non-gunshot injury, Sheriff Mike Williams said. All of the injured are expected to survive, he said. Three or four people hospitalized at Memorial Hospital have been released, officials said. And then uh, the sheriff's office on Monday ident- identified the two victims who died as Elijah Clayton and Taylor Robertson, uh, though the gaming community had already identified these people as early as the day of the shooting, uh, people who were at the event or people who knew them personally. Uh, so the first was uh, Taylor Spot Me Please Robertson, uh, and we have a, a statement here <clears throat> from some of his, uh, his team members. Uh, We are shocked and deeply saddened by the senseless violence in Jacksonville and the tragic deaths of Dot City Gaming team member Taylor Spot Me Please Robertson and Eli True Clayton. Uh, They were great competitors and well-loved members of the Madden community. Our thoughts and deepest sympathies go out to their families, loved ones, and all those affected by this tragedy. So uh, then we go on to talk a little bit about these men. So Robertson uh, was from West Virginia and had uh, a career winnings of more than $80,000 and had won the Madden NFL 17 Classic. And, um, you know, he was qualifying again for the 19 one here. Uh, He was a graduate of James Monroe High School uh, where there was a vigil held last Monday. And... um, you know, there was a lot of comments from people, you know, who knew him from his community, who said a lot of good things about him here. Um, we had uh, here, there's, uh, this was someone who was his friend, Andrew Evans, who said he was the most humble human being to have the abilities and the talents that he did. Uh, we have, then the other victim was Eli Trueboy Clayton. Uh, and then Clayton was a former member of the Calabasas High School football team in California who also released a statement who said, Our hearts are broken as we learn that former Calabasas football player uh, Eli Clayton was senselessly murdered today during the mass shooting in Florida. We send our love, condolences, and deepest sense of sorrow to Elijah's family and friends. And uh, again, you know, just lots of good things to be said about him. He was amazingly kind-hearted. He was a contributing member of our campus. Uh, that was from... Um, the principal, uh, CJ Foss. So, you know, um, obviously, uh, this, this is, uh, you know, a really, a really serious situation. And, um, you know, there, there are people out there who are, who are trying to help, who are trying to do good. And and those are the people that I want to try to focus on today. Um, you know, I think the most upsetting thing to me, um, is to see in the aftermath of the shooting, uh, how many, Politicians are trying to use this as a way to, um, you know, reignite the conversation around video game violence and skirt around the issues that are causing these things to happen again and again and again in situations totally unrelated to video games. Um, and so, like I said, I want to try and focus on the people who are trying to do good here. So there's been a GoFundMe who were set up uh, was set up for the victims. It's uh, called Madden Community Fallen Angels. As of the recording of this episode, they are uh, just a little over fifty thousand dollars of their seventy five thousand dollar goal uh, to raise money to you know give to these families to pay for funeral costs and you know and all the things that are going on and obviously to help them uh, during this trying time. 
So if you guys want to go uh, contribute to that, um, you, can, you can do so with the link down below. And then uh, I just want to read EA's response to this situation. Um, so EA, uh, they made a, a public statement, you know, um, you know, shortly after the event happened, where they said the tragic uh, situation that occurred Sunday in Jacksonville was a senseless act of violence that we strongly condemn. Our most heartfelt sympathies go out to the families of the victims whose lives were taken today and those who were injured. All of us at Electronic Arts are devastated by this horrific event, and we also join the community in thanking the first responders who were quickly on the scene. Our focus right now is on those affected and supporting law enforcement as they continue their investigation into this crime. And then we had a uh, another statement from um, the CEO of EA, Andrew Wilson, who talked a little bit about um, what they're what they're going to be doing moving forward. To our players in the gaming community, I wanted to share some thoughts about the horrific and senseless act of violence that occurred in Jacksonville at the Madden competitive gaming event. I know many of us, myself included, are filled with shock and grief. Our teams have been working nonstop to do what we can to respond to this terrible situation. First and foremost, it is an unthinkable tragedy that Taylor Robertson and Elijah Clayton, two of the top Madden, or two of our top Madden competitors lost their lives in this way. They were respected, positive, and skilled competitors, the epitome of the players and personalities at the heart of our community. Their love of competition was evident through their participation in our events over the past few years. We are committed to supporting Taylor and Elijah's families through this difficult time, and we send our deepest sympathies to their loved ones, to those injured yesterday, and to everyone affected. The event was a qualifying tournament for the Madden Classic, our first Madden EA major competition of this season. While these qualifying events are operated independently by partners, we work with them to ensure competitive integrity and to gather feedback from players. We have made a decision to cancel our remaining three Madden Classic Qualifier events while we run a comprehensive review of safety protocols for competitors and spectators. We will work with our partners and our internal teams to establish a consistent level of security at all of our competitive gaming events. We've all been deeply affected by what took place in Jacksonville. This is the first time we've had to confront something like this at the something like this as an organization excuse me and i believe the first time our gaming community has dealt with a tragedy of this nature please take time to support each other through this challenging time andrew wilson ceo electronic arts so uh you know there's obviously a lot to unpack here um but i'd like to give you guys a chance to to respond to what i've said here to uh you know ea's comments to um to andrew wilson's message here um, and yeah, just, um, your reactions to this event, I guess. Don't fucking shoot people. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, it sounds simple and I hate to say it, but I'm surprised this hasn't happened earlier, to be honest with you, because of the, the, the amount of, of shootings and, and, you know, I, I work in a movie theater that, you know, like we, we get taught constantly that there's always there's there's always the threat of someone just coming in and shooting the place up. And granted, I don't work in an incredibly hard place with like, you know, New York City level stuff, but um, <clears throat> security for this stuff is 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 hard, you know. Um, if people are determined to do something, they're gonna try to do it in any way they can. And it's really it's just unfortunate that one of the last bastions of of stuff has been affected by this, you know? Um, cause like you said in the one comment, I don't believe there really has been anything like this before for this, uh, for this group, you know? And I, I mean, I can't remember one, so it's, it, it's a very easy idea. Like Andy said. <laughs> yeah. I, it's fucking heartbreaking. And I, you know, 
I think EA is handling this as well as EA could. Um, I think they they've taken appropriate steps and said appropriate things, but like, I don't know, man. Just don't shoot people. Yeah, uh, this is obviously very horrible. Um, there's, you know, we all, we all understand why this sucks, and uh, and uh, it's really crappy that the places you go for entertainment to have a good time with friends and family, or just to you know watch people do something that you love, or to go do something that you love. Now you, the threat of you know. Uh, death is 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 uh, real there, um, and uh, you know the the biggest takeaway for me is as always with these situations the the refusal to acknowledge the real the real reasons why these things happen. You know you you, you can't boil it down to one man, one gun, one crime. It's just not as simple as that. Because there's a reason that these things continue to happen and have historically happened. Um, and it's also not as simple as, well, video games cause this. Because millions and millions and millions of people worldwide play video games and they don't do this, you know? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a great statistic. Uh, it's, it's an infographic that's being passed around right now, and I, I'm, I'm upset that I don't remember the source of it, uh, but I'll try and find it and get it in the link down below. But it was essentially showing the amount of money spent on video games in direct proportion to gun crime in a country, and we're the only outlier on that list. You know, it's, it's not a video game problem. It's an American problem. Yeah, exactly, and... Uh... You know, we we were always looking for a scapegoat in these situations, and video games have been that for what twenty years. You know, we we've been pointing the finger at, yeah. at games over twenty years. I mean, it was D and D before it was digital stuff. You know, they right. they always wanted to make or rock and games roll or Ozzy Osbourne or some entertainment or Metallica. You know, yeah, some form of entertainment is the problem. It's corrupting you. That's the problem. You know. And y- yeah. you you pointed the finger rightly at politicians, but I also think uh, individual people need to stop trying to find scapegoats for these kinds of problems. We we still refuse to take a hard look in the mirror at our decisions and our choices as far as voting and as far as what we're teaching people and as far as what we're allowing in our homes that do cause these things because this kid who did this you know madden is not a violent video game you know uh you can't make that argument madden is football is a a football (laughs) game you know football is is just a a, a sport and um it's america's pastime right now you know right like i i you didn't you didn't say this um and i i don't have the article right in front of me maybe you have the information but Mm -hmm. this kid uh, there had been many police calls to his home for outbursts. He had a known history of mental illness. There were tons of yeah. problems with him and, and everything else, and he was still able to buy a gun. You want to talk about a, a, a reason for this to happen? Stop looking at video games and start looking at the fact that somebody like this was even in the streets, let alone able to purchase a firearm. Why is that still 
happening? After all these years, after all these shootings, what are we doing to stop people like that from being able to get weapons? Yeah, and I think I think it's not even a bipartisan issue. Like it's like whether you're pro gun, whether you're anti gun, whether you think that the issue is access to firearms or lack of funding to mental health programs, whatever, whatever, right? E- either or. Um, like when when is when is enough enough? You know, when are enough people dead for us to do something? You know, uh, and I, I, it's like, it's an old bit at this point, but every time my mind goes back to that Onion article of couldn't have been avoided says the only place where this happens, you know, and that's, that's the situation we're in today. And how many innocent people need to die before somebody flinches, you know? How is it easier to get a driver's license than a gun? Well, you know, he, or or how how is it like you said, Sean, that somebody who has a history of violent outbursts is able to to just you know to just acquire a weapon legally that they can use to kill people legally, even if it wasn't a gun, right? That that person, if they have violent outbursts, they shouldn't even be allowed to drive a car. You know, how, how recently were those terrorist attacks in, you know, uh, France where somebody was driving a, a, a truck through a crowd of people, you know, or, or the alt-right guy that drove a fucking uh, a car into a group of protesters. You know, it's like <laughs> there somebody like that needs to be like like medicated, you know, or, or monitored. Or if helped they, if, they can't, if possible or something yeah, in between. Like th- there, there needs to be something yeah. – you know, like done about about how easy it is to get weapons for anybody, but in my opinion, but especially to those who can use them to kill or, or maim people easily. Yeah, you know, and this I wasn't mean, even this wasn't even an auto, automatic weapon. He had a pistol. Yeah, because the arguments have been solely based around a lot of you know assault weapons and stuff and you know or, or or the magazine size or something and it's always deflection deflection and what i was just gonna say before it's like you said how many people need to die like unfortunately based on our politics a lot more and like it's not it's not something that i look forward to but like until both sides or you know which i don't think there should be even it's 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 a serious problem of just life in general at this point talking about people getting murdered right, right? like I why mean, are there sides but until any sides can can learn to at least take a second to just stop hating the other person and listen for a second so we can communicate to work toward a goal this shit ain't gonna go anywhere and the way things are now no one wants to talk so unfortunately you're not going to see any change i mean i really do think that it's this is this is sad because it's it's not like I've seen it happen before in this area or anything. It's not like it's different than the other ones, but it is different, you know, because it's a new institution affected. It's a new thing. Like there's been shootings in churches, theaters and like events, you know, not not like a gaming thing yet. So really, really weird to think that, you know, what do you think about that? When you list it off in that way, you go, okay, well, what else hasn't been affected? Right. So, so, I mean, there isn't. All right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm just, you know, it's 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 nothing. It's there, there isn't just like I don't know like we used to like where you draw the line, how many people die. It's like well, there really isn't one until people could 
can, you know, work together on this. And like, everyone's so worked up about all the wrong problems about it, you know, about talking about what really didn't happen, you know, to cause these things, you know, to Sean's point, it's your point, you know, it's just, it, there, there are things we can do to affect the situation and they may not be the right answer at first, but if we do nothing, which we do all the time, nothing will change. And I don't see why people think that's a good idea. You know, I don't know. I don't know like what delusion you can put yourself in when you go, well, I think it's getting better or something maybe, or, or it's not getting worse, however you want to re register it. And then you still see stuff like this happen. And it's not going to be the end if nothing's changed. And if anything, if nothing's done, more people sit who are on the edge of that stuff could, oh my God, you know, like I didn't, maybe they didn't think of that. Who knows? Who fucking knows what bad events are going to spiral because we don't do anything. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's just really sad to, to think that like, you know, this, this is another thing we got to worry about now, you know, not that we didn't have to before, I guess, but I mean, it's on my mind, <laughs> this kind of stuff, you know? Well, it, it, I think it's like you said, right. You never think it's going to happen to you. Right. You never think it's going to happen. And then, you know, like I remember like, you know, we always, we used to go to, uh, any anytime there was a superhero movie, right? We would go oh, yeah, yeah. to the midnight release right. in costume. Forgot about that. And then that. there was that shooting where the guy showed up as the Joker. And, we couldn't, and then that was that was the end. Yeah, of that, we couldn't do right? that ever again. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and I, I think that you don't you don't think it's going to happen at this random Madden event at some bar in Jacksonville. This wasn't you know Comic Con. This wasn't the national event. Yeah. This was just a any other day, you know. And and I don't I think. The reason that this is so like, like you said, it's just another thing is like, well, it's eye opening. Like, it really is like this really could happen anywhere at any time. And how easy could it have been for this to have been in New York or in New Jersey or in Washington, D.C., where one of us are at an event like you go to and, you know, and it's like, how, how long is it until this happens somewhere where you know somebody? You know, and I think the more it happens and the more places it happens and the more obvious it is how vulnerable vulnerable we are to this at any given time, um, you know, it, it's – I think like the, there has to come a breaking point at some point. But I think you're right, Thompson. I think a lot, a lot more instances like this are going to happen before it gets better and that's terrifying. Um and I, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think, you know, just to, uh, to try to loop it back, uh, around, you know, um, I, I did want to, uh, call out one more thing that, um, that EA's done here. They have, uh, also set up what they're calling the Jacksonville Tribute Fund, where, uh, they donate a million dollars, um, to support the victims of last Sunday's tragedy, um, and you know, they're, they're also going to be setting up another fund where you contribute alongside their donation, you know, and, and help out the, the family. So again, there's so many places for you to go out and, and show your support. Um, and I, and again, I, I want to focus on, 
on that, you know, um, and on, on the positive that people are trying to do. Uh, so this Thursday, September 6th, they're also going to be doing a live stream where they want to bring the, uh, the community together to unite in, you know, in play, like they put it, which is what brought us all together in the first place, right? Um, so there's going to be that tribute live, live stream where you're going to be able to support the victims again and uh, go out there and, you know, show your support or connect with other people who are uh, upset about the situation as well. Um, so, you know, you can go check out EA's Twitter. They said they'll be sharing more details soon about the, the live stream and everything like that. But it's going to be happening on happening this Thursday. Uh, and I, I just want to, you know, leave us... Um, on uh, what I think is a positive note from one of the players who was lucky enough to survive uh, from what he called the worst day of his life. Uh, Dr- uh, Drini, uh, I-, I don't know how to say this last name. I think it's Gyoka. It's D-R-I-N-I, and then the last name is G-J-O-K-A. Uh, so um, he took to Twitter to say in a series of tweets, I am literally so lucky the bullet hit my thumb I will never take anything for granted ever again. Life can be cut short in a second. So I, uh, I know that that's obviously a scary way to to reach that revelation, but I think that's a really positive note to leave things on. And I just want to, you know, take the opportunity to say, um, you know, that like, just life is a gift, and enjoy it while you have it, and let the people that you love know that you love them while they're here, and you know, um, just do your best to be better to each other you know and if you're dealing with mental health issues if you're you know um struggling with thoughts of of violence or anything like that to reach out and you know get help whether it's from your community or your you know your friends your family um you know whoever you need to get you to the professional help that you need uh please do that you know and just uh i don't know let's all just try to be a little bit better to each other and uh, hopefully we will not, you know, next week we'll just be back to talk about toys again uh, and uh, and focus on, on a little of that positivity. So thank you if you suck it out through this topic. I know it's a heavy one and the rest of the show was, was fun. But, uh, you know, I think it's our responsibility to talk about this stuff uh, when it, you know, comes to our doorstep. So, um you know, let us know what you're thinking about about this or any of the lighter topics we discussed this week in the comments down below. Hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com. Follow us at the comics pals wherever your social media is sold. And uh, and just talk to us. Let us know what you're thinking and what you're feeling about all this stuff. <sighs> and uh, hopefully we can try to work towards uh, a better a better future together. So uh, before we get out of here, we're going to shoot some plugs so you can connect with each of us individually on social media. Sean, why don't you start us off? All right. Well, uh, on the Comics Pals, which is the show that Pete and I both do, which posts the day before this, we uh, talked about a similarly dark discussion. Um, Not as dark as this, of course, but uh, we discussed Comics Gate and... Uh, how creators are finally stepping up to fight back against this group of people who um, seem to have it out for every uh, minority group within the comic book creator community. Uh, So we talk about that and how that situation is unfolding and um, why the timing of it may be a little suspect and a little late. Um... And then, of course, if you want to catch me on social media, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, 
don't talk to me about this because uh, I don't have anything more to say than I already have on the subject. Andy? Uh, if you want to find me, I'm over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. Um, yep, yeah, same same as Sean said. Don't talk to me about this. I don't want to talk about this. I'm happy to talk about just about anything else, especially, and I know Sean's going to back me up here to talk about pirates. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> on a day like today, <laughs> come on. Thompson, you can find me at Relic Vampire on Twitter, even if I haven't put anything in a while uh i'm sorry but my creative juices will start flowing again and if you thrived off of my memes for a while and that was your only bread and butter if you were the equivalent of a starving child and please start gonna have some more they'll be back um <laughs> that's about it i haven't done palace play with pete in a while but i would say i do palace play with pete there you go it'll it's coming back go check out our backlog for now all right, so if you want to catch me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, if you want to talk about this stuff, just write in so we can all tackle it as a group because, um, you know, we don't need to get into that heavy of a dialogue on Twitter. I think we could have a more personal discussion here. Um, so talk to me about fun stuff like how hype cyberpunk looks or, you know, this cool Pokemon-esque game Heartbeat that Andy just showed me launching on September 14th. So go check. Yeah, come talk to me about that kind of stuff. Um, and then, uh, if you want to catch me, I'm on the comics pals with Sean, go check out the backlog of pals play with me and Tom's when you got a ton of great let's plays on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the comics pals. And, uh, you can catch my, uh, writing over at loopots.com where, uh, I'm doing Nintendo news and reviews. I just reviewed shield. Like I said, you can go check out my full review where I, uh, ding that game line by line, <laughs> but also talk about what's good about it. Um, so go show your support. That'd be awesome. And, um, yeah. It's a good review. SoundCloud.com slash the Jetpack Advantage. What up? Peace. <laughs> we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Video Game Pals. We love you.